Lord, thank you. Thank you so much. And Father, we love you, we love you, we love you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Father, for what you prepared for this part of this gathering today. And I pray, oh, Father, that no one miss what you prepared for them this morning. And so right now, Lord God, I command everything visible and invisible, every voices, every knowledge, every power and presence to become subject to the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus Christ. Let your presence now, O Lord, Holy Ghost, fill this place, Father. Anoint, Lord, and use me and give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And let's go ahead today and begin in the book of Genesis chapter 15 in the Old Testament. And there we see the covenant that God made with Abraham. Uh, if for nobody can understand God unless he or she understand the covenant. God is a God of covenant. He's a covenant maker. He's a covenant keeper. And he, nobody can truly understand God or understand his ways or understand his dealings any other way except on the grounds of covenant. And chapter 15 of the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, God made a covenant with Abraham. The first thing God did with Abraham, number one, was in chapter 12, he called Abraham. He said unto him, come out from among your people. Say with me, come out from among your people. That is chapter 12, first of all, verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto Elan that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thee thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that cursed thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The first thing God did with him was to call him. The call. And then God gave him promises. And, but then from call to promises, then to covenant. And chapter 15, when God made a promise to him, if I look at what it says in chapter 15 here, um, verse 1, it said, After this is the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is the Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. He said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6 says, And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the awe of the Chaldees, so give unto thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Now, this, that looks like as if he's doubting. I mean, God has called him. He has given him a promise of a son and of the land. And now he's saying to God, uh, 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 I, need, I need more guarantees. <laughs> Can somebody say hallelujah? 
Now, he has believed God, and he received the seal of righteousness. God told him, come out. He obeyed. He went. God promised him a son. He believed. And now God tell him about owning the land. And Abraham knows for any time there's something, any time about a physical property, there have to be a seal. There have to be a document. You cannot just promise land by word. They have to be the deed. You have to give me the title deed of the land. So Abraham said, Lord, uh, we have to look. Let's get the pepper walk done. <laughs> Somebody said, hallelujah. Now, he was not doubting, but he said, uh, uh, and he said, Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? You see, when he told him, promised him to come out, no problem. Make you great, no problem. I'll give you a son, no problem. But when he consigns land, he said, um, let's get the pepper walk done. You see, Abraham knew because all through Abraham's life and travel, he made a covenant with different kings so they can let him live among them in peace. And in the olden time, everything was done upon the foundation of covenant. There has to be a seal. It has to be a seal of approval. And so here Abraham said, how can I really, really be sure that I will inherit it? You see, Every genuine inheritance is based upon covenant. You cannot claim any genuine inheritance any other way, not even on the basis of just a promise. It has to be on the foundation of a covenant. So Abraham urged God, pushed God, compelled God to enter into a covenant with him so he can be sure that the land is his. So anytime Abraham wanted to doubt about if it's really going to be me, mine, he looked at the foreskin of his body. That was a guarantee that the land is not just based upon promise, but upon a covenant. So here we see what happened. When he asked God, how can I be sure? We are in a time where many Christians are not sure of nothing. They are praying, but they're not sure they will be answered. They're not sure God will answer them. Or hear them, or bless them. May, may we are living, and this is not. This ought not to be so. We are living as if you know we just gamblers. If we win, okay. If I lose, no problem. God doesn't gamble. God is a God of covenant. He wants you and I to be sure in what and in whom we have believed. He wants us to know and be sure of what to expect doesn't want our life to hang on empty promises. So Abraham said to God, uh, how do I know? I love that. I love that. And look what he says to him. And he said, Lord God, where shall I know that I shall inherit it? Verse um, 9 said, and he said unto him, okay, take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. When you have prepared your covenant, when you are in covenant with God, you must learn to keep away the foxes. Because the birds of the air will come to, to eat it. Where? In your mind. In your thoughts, in your reasoning. I don't feel it. I don't think it. Am I sure it's going to happen? The bird has come. 
to put doubt, to rob you. And the moment you listen to the bird, listen, the devil has nothing. Everything the devil is using to propagate his kingdom is what he stole from Christians. God never gave the devil a dollar. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tickle your ear. All these cultic, demonic people and their witches and wizards and the money they handle, they all belong to the covenant children of God. God gave the devil no dime. Everything the devil is using is what he stole from Christians, believers. And the time has come when God's people must rise up in the power of the covenant and take back from the devil what he stole from us. Hallelujah. And so, Abraham drove, say, say, say with me, drive out the birds. Uh, the birds are pitching around your brain, around your mind, while you are praying. Oh, hey, God won't hear you. Remember the sin you there? You know, you mistake you made. So, God can't heal you. Healing no more takes place. It's all of the Old Testament. The birds has come. But Abraham kept that stupid birds away. From, the, from his covenant. And you believers must learn to keep those birds away. If you allow them, they will, they will mess up, they will spit on, they will eat it, they will despise and defile that sacrifice. And you get nothing out of it. And the devil feed himself out of what he has robbed from God's covenant people. So look what goes on there. Okay? And um, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lower and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Say with me, come out with great substance. You see, this is the hour and time where God's children come out of the world with great substance. You can't go to heaven broke. No person going by rapture will be broke. Before we leave this world, we plunder the earth. Like Joseph, they have to come to you to get their corn and wheat. You know, so that people, when we talk about wealth and money and riches, people think, oh, that, that's, that's carnal. Now, when God gives you wealth and riches, it is not for you. You have to understand that God has covenant with creation. He told Noah, look at the rainbow. When I see the rainbow, I will remember my covenant with every living thing. Everything the physical world was made by how? By the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was what? God. And all things were made by the word. Without the word, nothing was made that was what? Made. So everything on earth has a fingerprint of God in it. The Bible says, Romans chapter 8, that creation groans. Say with me, creation groans. And travels in pain. Why? Because creation was made holy. But sin and the devil and Adam's transgression makes suffocates creation. 
So the material world is groaning and traveling in pain. What are they waiting for? They are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The world of America is waiting for the saints to come and deliver them from the hand of the witches. Because nature breathes the air of the... Just imagine, if this, if this place used to be a bar or a strip club, the walls cry, the ground scream, they are under torment, they groan, they are saying, when will the sons of God come and deliver us? And then here comes Pastor Mitch and buys the place and clean the place. Then instead of this demonic music, amazing grace is being sung here. Christ is being glorified. If the walls can talk, they will say, hallelujah, thank you for coming to buy me. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. But it's not for, for self. It's not for I. This is why many Christians, their wealth is killing them. Because they think their wealth is theirs. That is why many times we are dying for what we have. Because we think what we have is ours. No, God said, keep this for me. Because creation is traveling. They are saying, God, where will you send your children to emancipate us from the grip of sinners? Who are using us for evil. The sinners are using the physical material world in a way that is perverted. They fill it with the atmosphere of sin and Satan and hell and demons. When sinners buy this place, they bring in demons and evil spirits. And the nature groans and travels, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. This entire area of the church and the building, if you would hear the voice of this area, they would say, thank you. They would say, buy more. Go get more. Get more land. Somebody say hallelujah. Not for your flesh or your ego. If you misuse and misplace material things, they kill you. So that's why the Bible says, come on, creation, nature itself will be emancipated to the glorious liberty of the children of the living God. Your house, if you are, if, if, for example, you remember you can buy a second-hand car. And the person who used to own that car is a smoker. And he's smoking. And he's cursing in that car. And he's sinning in that car. He has a pornography in that car. The, the materials of that car was made by the word of God. They had the fingerprint of God in them. And now it is being used for evil, for sin. The nature there grows and travels. If a child of God buys that car, take away all the trash in it, paint it, clean it, and play Christian music in it. If the car could talk, it would say, thank you for buying me. It will say, I am now in my element. I will never forget, as I told my friend, 19, 2004, Kenneth Copeland and Joseph Duplantis and Prefer Dollar, they were, had a conference in Birmingham in UK. So I flew from Czech Republic to be a part of that conference. And I was coming from my hotel. It was a springtime. You already see like spring. And, you know, April, the, the, the flowers were just coming up and the birds. That day was, 
I come from a hotel with the God's glory on me like that. It was fantastic. It was like heaven and earth kissed each other. So as I was going to that hall of meeting, walking through that clean, decent, nice spring street with flowers blossoming there, I said, oh God, this is beautiful. I'm so glad you brought me. I was shocked what I heard. He said to me, enjoy it, but don't abuse it. Say with me, enjoy it, but don't abuse it. Earth is being abused. Everything humans and sinners lay their hands on, they abuse it. You marry a wife, you abuse her. You marry a husband, you abuse her. You have a son, you abuse him. You are, and and they, they cry, goes to God, enjoy it, but don't abuse it. We abuse everything. And that's why we are in trouble. So God will emancipate nature from corruption and rottenness. And he will hand over nature to the sons of God. Can somebody say hallelujah? Who will preserve it for all eternity. So that nature will not hear a cursed word. Will not hear, will not see babies dying in the womb. The blood of innocence grieves and nature cries. God told Ken. The blood of your brother is crying from the ground. That's why God always sent Israel out of to Babylon or somewhere else. Just send them on, or send them on exile. He said, you are defiling the land and the land is crying against you. You defile my land. I, I don't think we really understand this. Because we are so selfish. Oh, it is my land. I, I, I can do whatever I want to do with it. No, and and that's why God threw Israel out of their land many times because they will, they will defile the land with idol worship. What God gave to them to serve, to use to serve him, glorify him, they use it to serve demons and idols. And God said the land will vomit you out. Land vomits people out. That's why as a believer, if you buy a property, if you buy a land, if you buy a car, make sure you first of all dedicate the car to God. Bring it to the pastor, to the leaders, they'll anoint it with oil and prayer to expel any demons attached to that very car that for the person who uses it first. Whether it is their land, whatever you bought, you have to dedicate to the almighty God. Some of you will buy a house and you never sleep there because demons own that place. And they come to your home in the night. Maybe you bought a, a, a house or a car and the formal owner was a person who has opposite side sexuality. I don't want to say what again. Or whatever you call it here in America. <laughs> you don't know what they did in that car. Or maybe the owner of the car committed suicide. And now you buy the car. You are by carrying the load of demons he left in the car. When you buy a car, when you buy a house, and you are buying a car, or whatever it is, you are entering into a covenant. You are under that covenant of that very firm. If there's a cultic man over the place, you are now under that influence. You have to break that spirit. Anoint with oil so that God's presence can come in in that very place. Can somebody say hallelujah? Even when I, when I buy a dress, anything I buy in the shop, I anoint with oil. I cover with the blood of Christ before I use it. You don't know who touched it last. There are wizards and witches and cu- they are putting curses on everything. Don't just pick this from the shop and just eat it. Bless it. Pray for it first. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So here we see 
God told Abraham, do this. And God told him, your descendants will come out with great substance. Now let's go forth and a little bit further. We don't have all the time. And in, 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 it says in verse, um, you know, in verse uh, 17, and it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Say with me, smoking burning lamp and a smoking furnace passed between the pieces. That's what a covenant is. It's passing between the pieces. Abraham cut those animals in two. One side this way, one side that way, and the blood flowed mixed together. And God and Abraham together in covenant passed through this flow of blood. They become blood brothers. They become bound together by an eternal and unbreakable covenant. God only operates by covenant, not by religion. Everything we do with God, whether it is faith or whatever, must be based upon the covenant. God doesn't operate any other way. And he said, my covenant will I not break, nor utter what has come out of my mouth. So you have to understand how God operates. And Jesus, our Lord, came here on this earth so he can be a part of the Abrahamic covenant. Here, Abraham used the animals and God's presence came and passed between the pieces. And then God told Abraham, from now, you have to circumcise every male that is born in your home or bought with your money. Say with me, circumcise every male. You see, everybody had to be circumcised into the Abrahamic covenant. And so, why did Christ come? Christ comes so he can be also what? Circumcised into the Abrahamic covenant. Because it is between God and Abraham. And their two blood must mix together. That's why God had to come in the form of a flesh. He took on the human body. Not just to die, but to be circumcised to the Abrahamic covenant. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says when he was eight days old, Jesus was taken and he was circumcised into the Abrahamic covenant. That was the first place his blood was shed. In the day of circumcision, when you are caught, blood flows. The blood of Abraham and the blood of God mixed together. And God and Abraham became bound to each other in irreversible, unbreakable, eternal covenant. And so you have to understand that it, God didn't come to establish Christianity or church or religion. Jesus Christ came to establish a covenant. Matthew 26, verse 26, the Bible says, as they were eating, he took bread and he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. Say with me, this is my body. That is broken for you. Take it and eat it. Now, if Jesus was here right now in physical person and took that bread and blessed it and break it and said to you, take it and eat it. This is my body. Would you take it? Would you? Maybe if you really understand what I mean, you wouldn't. 
In fact, many Christians today, if they understood their covenant, they wouldn't want to be Christian. They would say, mm, when, I'm, when I'm getting old, when I'm dying, when I'm about to die, I can do that. I want to live my life. And then when I'm about to go to the grave, I make covenant with God. But this is the hour and time when you, if you really, really, really want to be saved and spared from destruction, you must understand and walk with God only on the basis of the covenant. God is not bound to help anybody who is not in covenant with him. Your tears, your suffering, your problem doesn't move God. God is not sentimental. All, his, all your trouble, all your misery, all his sentiment and love has all been placed in that very covenant. So God said, I meet you here. This is where you meet me. And so, you understand that. Jesus said that word. Chapter 26 of Matthew. Let's read that now. In the New Testament. And all of the Old Testament was based only upon the covenant. And when we understand the covenant, oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. And so look what it says. And verse 26 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take it. This is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave to them saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Say with me, Lord, give me understanding. I command my heart and my mind and everything in me not to resist the truth of God. Why did Christ come on earth? Now, we say he came to die for our sins. Truth. But the main reason why he came was to establish the covenant. He came to be circumcised into the Abrahamic covenant. Because in the covenant, your life belongs to the person with whom you are in covenant. You cannot deprive or deny your covenant partner anything he or she needs. You must be willing to sacrifice all you are and all you have for the person with whom you are in covenant. God entered the covenant with Abraham. And Abraham needed a savior, needed a deliverer, needed a healer. Abraham was a captive of sin and the world and darkness. And his covenant partner, God, cannot stay in heaven and see his covenant partner perishing in the hand of an enemy. So he had to, Bible says, he took on him the seed of what? Abraham. So he took on him, not the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. Because he, by the covenant, he must come and die for his covenant partner. Because in that covenant, your enemy is my enemy, 
and my enemy is your enemy. I can die for you, you can die for me. You cannot spare anything about yourself when I need it. You don't live for yourself. You live for me and I live for you. This is why Christians today don't understand and does not know the power of God. Everything God does, he does through the covenant. Not, not through Christianity, not through religion. He does only on the basis of covenant. When you come to understand and realize, I am not just a believer. I am not just a Christian. I am a person who is bound in covenant with the almighty God. I am not here on earth for myself. God did not create you for you. He made you for himself. As long as you live for yourself, you pay the bills. And this is not a religious talk. Oh God, oh God. God said, I'm not hearing the voice of the covenant. When you live for self, self pay for the bills. Then you fight your enemies. And then you glorify yourself because you won. And so, my brothers and my sisters, we are in this strange hour in the history of the human race. It's a time for a home run. We must go back and open the Bible and kneel down and say, I want to understand what this all means. What does it require me? Am I just a believer, a Christian? Or I am, am I a person who is bound in perpetual covenant with the Almighty God? Now, God never takes the covenant lightly. In these last days, he will let any person perish. He will let anybody be demonized. As long as you do not understand and does not live in that covenant, God is not bound to set you free. Understand that. And so Jesus said, this is my blood of the New Testament. See, those, those Jewish men, those 12 men there that he, he was having, breaking his bread with, they understood what they were saying. It didn't just mean that the new covenant is in the blood of Christ. When you take that cup and that bread and eat it and drink it, before you put it into your mouth, all of them say the same word, new covenant in my blood. New covenant in my blood. All of them have to say it. That's what it means. Even in the old Roman army, before you are about to go to a real tough war, the commander will stand and everybody will take a cup of wine. And they will, they will say, we will defend Rome with our blood. And they will drink it. And they will never turn back, even if it means them dying for the glory of Rome. Is anybody still here with me? Am I wasting my time? All right. So you have to understand, we are in this critical hour. A thousand will fall here, ten thousand here. Strange things will happen. In the land of Egypt, Moses and Israel, we are only defended. They we are only protected because in the doorpost was the blood of the slain animal. That blood was the blood of the covenant. 
if any of them, even though they were Jews, if they stepped outside their houses, the angel of God will kill them. Your only protection is that you are under the blood of that covenant. Some in this last hour, if you and I don't understand the power that is in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, if we don't, don't blame God for anything. It's this time and hour of total and complete commitment. Now, can you put for me the Ark of the Covenant? Now, here is the Ark of the Covenant. God gave it to Moses to make. God, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at every time. But he told Israel, make me an ark that I might dwell among you. Why? Because when you are in covenant with God, he gives you what is called a covenant presence. Say with me, covenant presence. So even though he's omnipresent, but because they are in covenant with him, he gave them his covenant presence. He became their defender, their protector, their preserver. He became the one who fights their battles. Their enemy becomes his enemy. He blesses those who blesses them and he curses those who curses them. When you understand this, people will fear to curse you. Even the devil would think twice before he touched you. Because God is bound to you forever. He is bound to come to your head when you cry to him. He hears the voice of the blood of Jesus Christ crying through you. So God told Israel, I will meet you here between the wings of the cherubim. And this is called the ark of what? The covenant. This was where you could meet God, no other place. You have to meet God only on the mercy seat, on this very basis of your covenant relationship with the almighty God. You have to go to the outer court and come right there to the holy of holies. And right now you are now before the Shekinah glory, where God's presence is waiting for you on the ark of the covenant. Any religion, any prayer, any worship, anything you do outside this place, don't expect God to hack you. You have to understand the covenant and know that God can only deal with you on, and meet you right here. The Bible said when Moses goes inside, God talks to him between the cherubims. So this is where we have to dwell. He who dwell in the secret of the Most High shall what? Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now the next picture of the ark. Here is the Ark of the Covenant. Anytime Israel was in dire strength, when they were hard pressed by their enemies, when their back was against the wall, when they meet enemy that is too much for them, outnumbered, outgone, and everything, one thing they always did was to go and bring the Ark of the Covenant to the front lines. Now, say with me, bring the Ark of the Covenant to the front lines. Chapter 4, 1 Samuel, they were a terrible war. They were losing the battle. They ran and brought the Ark of the Covenant when Eli was the priest. When the Ark came to the, to the front line, they all shouted the shout of victory. 
when their enemies heard them shout, they said, why are the Hebrews shouting? They said, oh, oh, because the ark of the covenant of God has come to the front lines. Say with me, the ark of the covenant of God is now in the front line. As you battle demons and enemies and evil in these last days, to be more intense, more ferocious. It's, you can't stand it with any other way. You must learn to bring the ark of the covenant to the front lines. You can only battle the enemy on the basis of your blood covenant with the almighty God. The Bible says they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto the death. Any average Christian that does not come at this hour and time and learn and understand the covenant with the Almighty God, you may lose out on many things. So here they brought in the ark. When they were going through the, the, river, the river Jordan, they were about to cross the river Jordan, chapter 5 of the book of Joshua, they were to bring the ark of God. The, the priests carried the ark on their shoulder. The moment the ark of God touched the water. The water what? Divided. The ark of the covenant is the way maker. Say with me, way maker. The ark is the way maker. There's no other way they can cross over. But when the ark came to the brim of that water, the water divided and they passed over. They were going through the wall of Jericho. God told them, carry the ark on your shoulder. Walk around the wall of Jericho seven times days. And they pick up the ark with their trumpet and they walked around once every day. The seventh day, they walked around the ark seven times. When they blew the trumpet and shouted, the wall of Jericho come tumbling down. When you are standing before an informidable enemy, distress, and the, there's a wall everywhere, there's a hindrance Everywhere you go, you must run to the covenant. When your back is against the wall, many people are saying, oh, God is not helping me. I prayed, I gave, I did that, and now what? Nothing changes, nothing. You have never understood the covenant. Listen. The, the amazing thing is, is that in our time, the covenant is sealed not in the blood of animals, but in the blood of Jesus Christ himself. And he is right now at the right hand of God, and he is there with the blood of the everlasting covenant. The Bible says he took his blood to the heavenly holy of holies, having obtained for us eternal redemption. There's nothing that torments and tortures demons like the blood of Jesus Christ. Whenever a covenant child of God screams, the blood of Jesus, the story changes. We must learn this hour to bring the ark of the covenant to the front lines because the battle is raging, the world is trembling, and God is ready 24-7 to intervene on behalf of those who are bound with, to him with an everlasting covenant. When Abraham, the more Abraham kept that covenant, kept that covenant, God gave him an oath. 
When God told Abraham, Abraham, take your only son Isaac, go to Mount Moriah and offer him there to me as a sacrifice. Why did God do that? Because when you are in covenant with God, you don't say no. Say with me, in the covenant, there's nothing like no. God said, give me your son Isaac. Normally we say, God, uh, did I hear you right? Like some of you do when they talk about give tight. Oh, that, 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 that can't be God. <laughs> Don't worry, they ask you for your son then. <laughs> that can't be right. You know, we want God to save America, but don't touch my pocket. God, save the world. Hallelujah, save the world. In Jesus' name, but don't get me involved. Listen, never you pray a prayer that you're not willing to be a part of the solution. It is a hypocrisy. Whenever you pray a prayer, always say, God, yes, I want you to save America. And I am here, I am willing if you want to use me. Oh God, send the gospel to the ends of the earth. But don't tell me to give that little skinny black man a penny. But save the world anyway. You some, listen, that prayer is hypocrisy, it's empty, it is vile. Oh God, bless my wife, bless my wife. And God said, tell you, tell her I love you. And you wouldn't say it. You are praying empty, useless, stupid prayer. Oh God, bless this church. Bless the pastor. Bless him. But he wouldn't send a word. He wouldn't be in church on Sunday. Christ prayed a prayer. And he said, Father, you can use me to answer my prayer. Say with me, Father. Are you sure what you're saying? <laughs> now, that, now, words are oaths. Words are covenant. God takes word very, very, and extremely seriously. That is why the Bible says, in the beginning was what? The word. And the word was with what? God. And the word was God. Your word is your oath. Your word is your promise. Be careful what you say. Oh, God, bless my husband. Bless my husband. And he said, okay, can you clean the car for him? Tell him I love you. Oh, he's not worthy of it. And so God is saying, please stop bringing this empty prayer before my ears. Anytime you pray a prayer, make sure you are willing that God to, for God to use you to fulfill it. 1991, September 10th, 10 p.m. in the night. I was praying in Lagos in Africa, in Nigeria. I used to pray for different countries of the world from 10 o'clock in the night till midnight. I knew I'm to be a, a missionary in Europe. I didn't know which country. So I would spend this time calling nations by name, nation by name, praying for them, praying for them. When I called Czechoslovakia that night, as I was kneeling down there, the power of God seized my spirit. I began to groan. And travel. I was, I was praying, crying. My body was feeling so, I couldn't stop. I was gasping for air. I thought I was, I was about to die. I was screaming. I don't even know this country. I've not been there before. How can they live without God? How can they live without, I was interceding and, and tears was flowing down. Everywhere was covered by tears. And then as I was praying there, 
Christ appeared to me. He said to me in 1993, you must go to this country and there do missionary works. If your heart, God can only answer your prayer if your heart is in your prayer. And that means you are willing for God to use you in answer to the prayer. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. If your heart is there, you are then willing for God to walk with you or walk through you or use you to answer that prayer. This is how it's supposed to be. But anyway, as I have made you to understand, when they were any time in dire strength, they know where to run to. Jehoshaphat, when the enemy was coming against them, all they did was to go and bring the Ark of the Covenant. They bring it to the front lines. And when we do that, even today, because we are in covenant with the Almighty God by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have to understand, this is very important, the Holy Ghost is trying to repeat this time after time, you must understand what it means to be in covenant with God. It means you are not your own. Jesus Christ came to earth to save you from you. To dethrone I and enthrone God. Lucifer said, I will arise, I will ascend, I will be like the most high. The Antichrist is coming out soon. And the Bible says he will exalt himself above all that is called God. He himself will sit in the temple of God and say, I am God. You have to ask yourself, who is on the throne of your life? When you are making decisions, do you consult God first? When you are making your choices, or is it only when you are in trouble, you say, oh God, oh God, help me. You are wasting your time. I, I remember many years ago when I went there to check, there was this guy that wanted to walk with me in the beginning. And he saw the miracles and all the signs and wonders. I didn't know he had an evil heart. His intention was just to use me and throw me away. And he went and brought a big television camera and put in the hall that day of the meeting. I didn't know why. I said, well, he brought the camera. I, was just, I, I just needed somebody to help me get around and preach. I didn't care who it was, even if it's a cow. So this guy, as he brought the camera, and I came to the meeting. People are there everywhere waiting for miracles. As I came to the meeting, I could hardly preach. I said, God, you're not here. So I said, hey, let's have some 10 minutes break. So we just had a little coffee break. I go to the room. Inside the room there, I said, Lord, where are you? He said, I'm not there. I said, I know. I said, why? He said, listen, tell that man to take away that camera. I am not here to perform for anybody. You see, God is tired of being used by his creation. That's the sin of Satan. That's the sin of humanity. Jehovah is tired of being used. He did not create you for you. He made you for himself. He didn't save you for you. This is why the burden of your life is upon your shoulder. Because you think, 
I, I, I must do this. I, no, I, I, I. Because, okay, you, I do it. You know, let Mr. I do it. Carry your trouble. It is your trouble. It is your pain. It is your sickness. It is your fear. It is your enemy. That's you. But when you are in covenant, nothing of I is anymore a burden on your shoulder. That's why Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find rest unto your souls. Jesus Christ never lived or taught for self even one second. He totally laid self on the altar. And so God gave him a name which is above every man. That's what the covenant is. The covenant is you and I knowing we are not here for ourselves. We are in covenant with the almighty God. We live for him and he lives for us. And tonight, I'll be speaking some deep things about this area. And I believe God that if you come here tonight with an open heart, you will never go the same. I believe that the glory of God will become made manifest in your life. We are in the end time. God wants to manifest his presence in the midst and in the lives of those who are in covenant with him. Life is God's responsibility, not yours. When you are in covenant with God, you have no trouble. You have no enemy. I pity people who call me their enemy. I, I'm sorry for them. I, I'm serious. I, I'm very, very sorry for them. Those who think they, they are my enemy, I pity them. I forgive them. I, I, I say, God, save this poor thing. You are sticking your hand in the consuming fire. You are about to be roasted. Poor thing. For you. <laughs> the devil told me years ago, I'm going to kill you. I, I didn't even buy him. I said, poor thing. He's about to be roasted. <laughs> I, I, I wish you could succeed to kill me. Try if you can. If you see Festus, you can. But if it is Christ in me, you are wasting your time. God wants to take the burden of life out of your shoulder. It is not, it is, God never intended that his covenant partner will be crushed. That's why when David came to the camp of Israel, and he saw the army of, of Israel panicking and fearing before this mountain of flesh called Goliath. And all those army of Israel, they were all circumcised to the Abrahamic covenant. David came to the camp. They are running away and hiding from Goliath. And David said, what? Are you guys, what's wrong with you? How can you, who is circumcised to the Abrahamic covenant? That means God is bound to you, you are bound to God. And you are running from an uncircumcised Philistine? You see, you can have a church like this and all the crowd, nobody understand the covenant. In the whole army, even King Saul didn't understand it. Just a little boy who brought lunch for his brothers. Little boy. He brought, he didn't come, he wasn't even a soldier, he just brought the bread. And he said, where are the army? They're all right, they're hiding. He said, what? 
Come on, zip down. Let me see your foreskin. Don't you see the mark? How can you be running from an uncircumcised Philistine with the mark of God on your foreskin? David said, God forbid. He said to Goliath, sorry for you, poor thing. You are about to be roasted. God is going to grill you today. Somebody say hallelujah. When you are fighting an infamidable enemy, run to the covenant. Remember, you are not an ordinary human being. You are bound to Jehovah. Please, please. How come all these Jewish people with this mark on their body is hiding from an uncircumcised Goliath? David was so tormented. He said, Saul, let me go and fight this beast. He said to Goliath, you come to me in the name of your God and demons with javelin and your weapons of war. But I come to you in the God who is in covenant with Israel. It is not me who will kill you. God will kill you. You know what happened. That beast went down. Say with me, the beast went down. That's why many of you have been plundered by the devil through American politics. Just, just plundered. Because, listen, the devil doesn't care about who is in power. The only power the devil fears is the power of the believer. And if you can get believers to be offended and resentful and bickering and gossiping, he plundered their power. They become blinded. They lose the real power that they have. As long as we walk in covenant with God, we can kneel down and bring down government. Not by party politics. No, we need, we have the power. Listen, I don't want to tell you much. Leaders in governments, they fear people like us. Recently, I told somebody, now listen, that man will no more rule. I get rid of him. Yeah, I see that man who's going down. Yeah, and I see he can no more win the election. I remember many years ago, I went to the American embassy to get a visa. The lady, they had a little skirt. And we, all the men there, both Czechs and white and everybody, we, we all were about 30 or 40. Within 10 minutes, they run every one of us out. When I came to her, she said, bring more paper. Bring. I said, excuse me, man, what more do you want me to bring? She said, you say you're a mission. Bring them. She banged her. I mean, the, the service man had to come and escort me out. I looked into her eyes. <laughs> I smiled. I left. I came home. I said, God, <laughs> To you, I and that woman cannot be in this Prague. Now, I don't play game. I say, God, me and this woman in the embassy there, we cannot be in Prague. You have to choose one who will be here. Now, I'm, not, I'm not laughing. Uh, my friend can tell you. I don't, I don't waste time. I say, Lord, which one do you want to stay, me or her? Because two of us can't stay. I say, when I go back to that embassy, if that woman is still there, I leave this country. My secretary is watching me right now, Dita. She, she can even comment on what I'm saying. She went with me there. We went, finally, I went down there. The woman has disappeared. It's gone. I've sent her away. The man who was there then said, hello, sir, welcome. Gave me a tea to drink while he put the visa in my passport. 
I said, you're going to stay in Prague. Oh my, listen, and I, I, I don't know, listen, we are in a season where God wants to open all the fountains of the covenant to his people. Not for some few testimony. You can no more count them. God wants you and I to, because this is our only place of security, within the blood. Say with me, within the blood. Live within the blood. Everything, just don't you dare get out of that blood. This morning I challenge you. It's time to renew the covenant. It's time to sincerely, earnestly return. Now, it's no more your first skin, it's your heart. And I hate to deceive myself. I hate to say I am serving God when I know I'm a hypocrite. I, I hate it. I don't like to make empty noise. I like to know what I believe and why I believe it. And I challenge you today, get real now. Listen, this is not even about you going to heaven. It's about you being able to live here on earth. Demons will occupy your mind and torment your life and kill you. You can scream, Jesus, Jesus, and nothing happened. I bind you and bind you. They will say, come on, say it again. You say, what? Even the, it doesn't work for me. You are not in covenant. Devil knows those who are just ordinary believers and he knows those who are genuinely in covenant with the Almighty God. Those who are bound to the Jehovah in the everlasting covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. You, you don't want to get out of that house without your hooking up. And you don't live for self. You don't think for self. You don't plan for self. You don't talk for self. Self is dead. God is exalted. And it, it will marvel you what God can do in you and through you. And Christ will be magnified. Listen, you begin to live when self die. And the covenant was meant to bring the death of self.